We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a Tuesday morning. Um, So for anybody who uh, may have missed any of last week's shows, quick reminder that we are switching up the schedule uh, from here on in, basically just to make sure that we can give you an episode a day as opposed to uh, doubling up on days after games. So, for example, this week, the Knicks play on Tuesday, so you will have a post-game podcast, uh, our live stream in podcast form, coming at you on Wednesday morning. Uh, so we want to make sure we give you something to listen to for today, Tuesday. And boy, do we have a treat for you. It's been a while since he's been on the show, um, but uh, he is no worse for the wear. Tom Piccolo joins us to talk a little Knicks, a little X's and O's, a little uh, starters, a little bench, a little what's wrong, what's right. We go over everything. If you're if you're not following Tom on Twitter, uh, you should do that. He's a fantastic follow. Um, that being said, this episode was recorded on Sunday. Um, and on Monday, Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks head coach, uh, got up on the old podium and um, confirmed basically what he alluded to after the Nuggets game, which is that um, he was mulling over, I believe were his words, some some lineup changes uh, for the, well, for the road trip, perhaps for the Spurs game. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he did not shed any more light on things other than that. Um, I, if you heard the episode with Jeremy from yesterday already made my feelings quite clear about which way I think I suspect that he is going to go. Um, that being said, nothing will surprise me. I, I wrote about this a good bit in um, today's Knicks film school newsletter. Um, I literally, you could tell me uh, he puts Fournier on the bench and uh, sticks in, you know, Derek Rose um, sticks Fournier on the bench and puts in Quentin Grimes. Um, my prediction 
sits Barrett, puts in Grimes. Uh, you, you could tell me that he starts Derek Rose um, and sits either R.J. Barrett or or Evan Fournier on the bench. Basically, you could tell me that there is essentially any new combination of the starting lineup uh, in which Julius Randle is surrounded by four players. And that's pretty much it. Uh, even something which I think we would have suspected before the season, uh, you know, would be a, a, just a pipe dream. I wouldn't even rule out the possibility of Julius and Obi starting together. Um, I, I don't think it's likely. But just if you look at where this team's at and where their issues lie, uh, you know, Traditionally, you want to go with size for rebounding and for rim protection. Well, guess who's been one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league? And uh, guess who is letting opponents get into the paint uh, at a roughly a bottom 10 rate? Although, obviously, they do protect the rim very well. They're the best in the league at protecting the rim once opponents get in there. Um, But the point remains, anything is on the table. There are arguments for almost any move. Uh, and I, the only thing I, I, at this point am, I, I would be surprised if it happened is if he trotted out the same starting five as we've seen, or as we saw once, I guess, uh, RJ was back from, from being sick. Uh, that said, I've been wrong about this team a lot already this year. I am sure I will be wrong about them, uh, many more times. Uh, but, uh, there's more than enough time for that. In the meantime, once again, here is my conversation that I hope you will enjoy with Tom Piccolo. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he's a returning guest. I haven't had him on, I don't think, for a while. I think he's, I'm going to blame it on him. I'm making the affirmative choice to blame it on him because he has been busy um, putting out uh, videos of himself on Twitter, which I love the videos. Not as many. I don't know if there's been as many. We'll we'll talk about it a bit this year, Um, but he has such a beautiful uh, face for the camera. So we just we need more of that. Um, His uh, Twitter threads are great. Um, He is one of seven or eight people I keep on notifications to this day, along with the Nick beat writers and the NBA beat writers or the NBA like Woj and whatnot. And that is because um, I don't think there's anybody that I respect his, uh, their, their takes about this team more than I do. Here we go. Uh, Co-host of talking next moment of truth. Tom, no, (laughs) I swear to God, I'm not, you, you know, you, you see this me. This has to be a bit. No, it's not a bit. I swear on my children, on their, on their lives. Is that, hold on. Tom Piccolo. You nailed it. Okay. That's it. Well, those yeah. are some kind words, Macri. So I do, I do appreciate that. Um, I, I didn't realize you still had me on notifications though. Cause you know, sometimes I tweet some nonsense. So I gotta, I gotta be careful about that. You don't tweet nonsense. You, I mean, you tweet your your regular tweets are always about the Knicks and usually some kind of film. And then you reply to people sometimes, but also like about the Knicks. Yeah, that's it. Well, no, uh, thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's good to be back. It has been a little while. So, uh, yeah, the, the videos, you're right, haven't been as frequent this year. Um, but I got to get those going again because it's a vanity thing. I do like I got to get the face out there. It's all about that. <laughs> we should say for any of our female listeners uh, that you are a happily married man. So 
this face is, is taken. Um, you know, and I, and I, by the way, I have peering behind the, the scenes for anybody who's not watching on YouTube. You moved since I or you're 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 recording in a different space since we've last spoken. I'm in a different room. I'm in a oh, just a different room. Okay. Yeah. No. It, we, my wife and I, we live in Connecticut, but uh, we do try and get into the city every once in a while. We we just spent the day in New York today doing like you know the holiday stuff, a lot of the touristy things, the Bryant Park Village and all that. How was um, how is the Bryant Park Village this year? I have not been yet. It's always nice. You know, we make a little tradition of it. We go buy an ornament and do the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I don't go into the city a whole lot, but it was my second time being in the city this week because on Tuesday I went into the, yeah. into Brooklyn. I went into Brooklyn for the Nets Knicks game. And uh, you know, it was, it was a great time. I will say like Barclays had some great energy because many fans were of the Knicks persuasion. And uh I mean, I'll say it was a tremendous game. It was well played. I think after that game, a lot of people pointed to it as like a positive loss. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was it was nice to to go and see that in person. So there's uh, so many places I, I could start with you right now because I I know your your mind thinks about this stuff a certain way. Uh, I want to start here with just the, the the fan in you who has been watching this team for. You're not as old as me. I'm 38. You're what are you? 32. Yes, you're a little bit younger. God bless. Um, in your gut, coming out of the Brooklyn game, did you feel how I, I and I, I felt? Okay, this is it. We've turned the corner. I like the I like the Atlanta game. I like what we saw in the Atlanta game. For me, this Brooklyn game with the what the, with the effort they came out with, how Julius played, I thought we had turned a corner. And then, well, we could talk about the last two games. How, how did you feel coming out of the game, having watched it in person? Yeah, I definitely felt positive about it. I liked the the starting lineup. I liked, you know, Randall does seem to really show up for these nationally televised yes, games. I, I don't think that's. No, you're you're, you're not saying anything wrong. It's 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 just go back and look at the evidence. It's it's obvious. Amen. I mean, just seeing in person how hard he was covering Kevin Durant. He was in the dude's jersey. I mean, he was he was giving full effort. He was helping helping on defense. He was making rotations. It was really impressive to see in person, such a large man moving that quickly, that agile. I mean, yeah, if I think asking him to play at that level at all times is not reasonable, but I think there does have to be kind of a happy medium when, when there are some games that it seems like he, he seems to be a little less interested and, uh, and less willing to put forth that extra effort. You boy. Can you put that more kindly? I don't think you can. I know. I'm feeling like a politician right now, but I also don't want to sit here and put all the blame on Julius Randle. No, so, I, I think that that's, that's so a I, vogue. Yeah, I don't feel that way either. It's just, you know, that's kind of where I'll just say, you know, the, the discrepancy between what I saw in person in Brooklyn and what I saw on television against Denver, where it looked like two completely different players. So I think that's striking. That stark contrast is kind of what's jumping out to me. So let, let's start with Julius Randle because like, and maybe I'm sure we'll talk about some of these guys. Like, yes, RJ can't hit a shot, and his defense has been uh, what's the right word for RJ's defense this year? Inconsistent? Is that probably is that a fair enough word in your estimation? Yeah, and that might not even be critical enough. It's yeah, okay. It, it hasn't been where it needs to be. It hasn't. Been, thank you. It has not been where it needs to be. Uh, Fournier has had his moments on both ends of the floor that have not not been great. Um, there are other nitpicks we can make. Mitch is not moving the way Mitch has moved. Okay. All of the, all of those things matter. 
everything with this team starts with Julius Randle. I know because again, I do have you on notifications. You, because the amount that you focus on him, the amount that you pay attention to him, it's the same amount that I do because everything, everything trickles down from Julius Randle, what he's doing, how he's doing it, the effort which he's giving it. Um, I just, I've defended him a lot this year, specifically because of the reason that you just verbalized, which is that people are so hard on him. And I feel like he goes overboard sometimes. And at the same time, again, you were being kind and you just mentioned the Denver game. It's not just the Denver game. Go back and look at the Houston game or the whatever non-national. There have been games. And to me and um, Andrew, get your drink ready. You know, uh, I know you listen to Zach Lowe as much as I do on his recent potty at Doris Burke on. And the first thing he said when he was talking about this, this next team, and he's a guy who looks at things big picture. He's like Julius Randle's defense is not where it was last year. Like if you were to, in your estimation, and I don't want to lead you to this. So feel free to go in a different direction if you want. Do you think that's been the biggest difference from last year or, or, or is there something else that stands out to you more? I mean, it's funny because on the offensive end, I'll, I'll answer your question about defense with a comment about offense. Quick, please. You can you can pinpoint it pretty quickly, and it's like the the two guys with the highest usage are shooting the ball poorly. You can just, yes. I mean, you can point to it right away, like on three pointers, on any catch and shoot attempts. RJ and Julius have been terrible last year. They were elite. Like that's that's a huge difference. On defense, it is harder to pinpoint. It does feel like a more uh, team-oriented issue, like a, a people not being on a string, not rotating, not communicating. And, and part of it is not hustling back on defense. Like, I don't, know, I, you know, I don't like to come on here and read my tweets, but I just tweeted this. I said that, you know, the Knicks last year were second in the league in points allowed per transition attempt. This year, they are 27th in points allowed in transition attempts. And part of that is just straight up effort. And like, I do think that this is a team where it's kind of funny that I I think that the offense does impact this team's defense. This is not a mentally resilient team. If, If they are missing shots on the offensive end, it affects their defensive effort. Right. Well, the, and, and the Denver game, uh, I, I, I'm, I think it was uh, a guest we had last week. Uh, uh, Benji uh, tweeted out like the, when you're getting out shot 47 percent to 30 percent in a game, it's like, yes, was part of the discrepancy, the effort. But like it's like the chicken or the egg, like, what you know, and that's I feel like that's so many games we've watched this year. It's like what causes what? It, it, I don't know. Yeah. And it it just seems like all these missed shots, they add up to kind of the perceived uh, lack of foul calls as well. And and I agree that there have been, especially in recent games, some, some pretty egregious calls, but it's not the reason that this team's losing ball games. You know what I mean? So it's just all these things seem to be adding up and affecting the effort on the defensive end. People aren't talking, they aren't communicating. And it's just, it it has led to, you know, you, you mentioned Julius Randall's defense and against Chicago, it seemed like he was the best option to defend Vucevic as Complete, a five, right? Completely he, agree with that. He is the one who's physically capable of corralling the ball handler and still being quick enough to get out on Vucevic as a shooter and, and large enough to contest him, right? I, I, you know, with Mitch, he just isn't there physically. Watching him in person in Brooklyn, he was lumbering. It was like the only word I could use to describe him. He did not look like he was moving all that well. I think he can still be an effective player, 
but it's not the guy we saw in his first couple of years who looked like he was on a pogo stick half the time. Can we, can we talk about Mitch for a sec? Yeah. Because again, you're like me, you're nuts. You watch all these fucking games, even when the team's winning 17 games. He Mitch was so exciting to me because he did things that you can't teach. And because he just looked physically, it was, we all said the same thing. If this guy like figures it out, Holy God, like he's the foundation of a defense and he's a pretty decent player on offense too, just because of like his ability to, you know, jump really high and, and, and be really tall and, and how he has really good hands and this season. And I, I don't feel like we have the answer quite yet of, is it the weight? Is it as he, as he himself tweeted, of I think it was last week or something like I'm not still physically, he implied that he's not healthy yet. Right. Um, whatever it is, like I went back and watched his, and I, I hesitate to call them contests on Nikola Jokic on Saturday. And you could put in the tape from the previous game, as you mentioned on Vooch, like that's not a, he's not comfortable at all out on the perimeter. He's like thinking and like picking his spots before he even, and, and in that time, these guys who don't need time to release are having all the time in the world they need to release. But but he's he's still able to do the things he does down low with the offensive rebounds and and um, blocking shots. But it's just like it's really been a frustrating year to watch him. I mean, you all know how sad I am. I actually went back today when I was on the train going into the city and watched old videos of Mitchell Robinson just <laughs> moving his feet on the perimeter and just because uh, I wanted to see like is it going to be that noticeable? Like this this appears to be a different player. And, and it was like, you know, I, I feel like Mitch gaining all that weight and all that muscle almost betrayed like a fundamental misunderstanding of what he brings to the game. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not like there are only so many players in this league who are going to just count him on one hand. Overpower him. It's, Embiid. it's, it's, it's Embiid. I thought he did a, a nice job of Jokic uh, when he had the, whatever the game he had, the post-game comments. I think I, I covered that game. Where he was like, yeah, whatever. He hit some shots over me. Like he he did okay that game because he moved. Yeah, Mitch isn't going to win that battle in the strength department anyway. It's just like how he's built versus how Jokic is built. So yeah, the, it's just he, gaining all that muscle wasn't doing anybody any favors. I really don't think so. Um, yeah, it's just. But when you play Mitch at center, and when you play all these traditional fives. At center, you know, you have to scheme for it because you have to know that Mitch can't corral the ball handler and get back out to the shooter. He can't do it. So, so what do you do? Do you send help on the weak side? Like there's just there has to be a, a scheme in place. And that's where the, the team component of this comes in. And I don't want to just blame Randall. It is no. a, a collective effort issue. And I and I shouldn't have implied that it was all Randall. I I just he is, and I said this on um the Monday show, which we actually just got done recording. So it was fresh in my mind when Randall uh, has those moments. It, it's just more obvious because of how he just, he's just get out of the paint. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to watch this guy take a three. Um, he's not the only offender and it is a team effort and it is collective. And I think especially on Saturday, it was everybody, everybody um, contributing to, to the breakdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we're hardest on Randall because he sets the tone and that's, well, that, that, that's the other reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest thing. And, and you know, I, I mentioned that, that transition defense stat earlier and you know, there are multiple stats and that corroborate the eye test where it's like, these guys aren't playing as hard 
as they need to be. You know what I mean? So yes, you, you see that, but then you dig into the numbers and you're like, where's that manifesting? Like, I mean, the one stat that people like to throw out is the wide open threes. So I know that NBA tracking data can be a little wonky, but I mean, it, it's, you, you use it as like just one piece of the puzzle here. And the Knicks right now are giving up the second most wide open three point pointers per game. Only the Houston Rockets give up more. So like, that's something that can be, can, can be remedied. But the thing is that teams are also hitting 41.3% on these wide open threes, which is the highest rate in the league. So like you do expect that to come but, down, but you can't be giving up the second most in the league. And then just one other thing that's, that's also kind of indicative of this, this uh, lacking effort is that the, the Knicks are bottom five in the league in defensive rebounding this year. And which is I don't, there's, there's for no, a Thibodeau team. There's no excuse for that when you're playing None. a traditional center almost the entire game. Like it, it doesn't make sense. If we were trotting out small ball lineups, then maybe, but we're not doing that, right? We are being conservative for the most part in that department. So it's like this is a team that should be dominating on the glass. And the fact that we aren't is really concerning. And I think kind of goes towards that the that effort issue, which I, I hate to say these guys aren't trying. I'm not no, saying man. that. It's just, it, it's, it is night and day to, to last year. Um, not to, but, not to like use rose colored glasses for last year, but you know, something's different and, and you got to point to something. But there's not trying. And then there's like not being fully locked in slash engaged. And those are two different things. And I think what we're like, I don't, I don't think we've watched a Nick game this year where we were like, oh, these guys are dogging it. You know, the Houston game had a few moments that would have me reconsider that statement because they just they thought they were going to roll the ball out on the floor and win that game, which they, they almost lost. Other than that, though, I think even like the Denver game, like they, for the most part, tried. But again, it is it, like they were so locked in on every possession, as as Mike Breen keeps saying on every broadcast. Um and it's 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 not happening so yes that 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 is a big part of it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
you were just talking about uh, stretch fives and or like the notion that we don't have a stretch five. We play a traditional center and, and has trouble guarding stretch fives. Um, I want to bring it back to the offense for a second, um, because for as much as the team has struggled defensively, I mean, offensively, they haven't exactly been great. Um, Thibodeau mentioned after the game on Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, how most teams have at least one stretch five nowadays. A lot of teams have two, like Denver had Zeke Naji and, and Nikola Jokic. Um, do you think if the Knicks had a true stretch five at center in just, again, I'm asking you this, like off the top of your head, do you think it would make a difference? Um, and if, if, the, if like, you know, we already talked about like Randall getting downhill more, do you, do you think like it would, that would be like a fundamental shift of their offense? Or do you think it would be like, just like, yeah. I think if you would have asked me that last year, I would have said a strong yes. I think that, that there was just this expectation that spacing was going to remedy a lot of this team's issues and was going to open up driving lanes for guys like Randall and Barrett. And then we saw the the starting lineup this year that, that we trotted out with, with Kemba and Fournier and all these guys who can shoot. And, and the expectation was, Hey, those guys are going to stretch the floor. Defenses need to respect them. It's going to open up all these driving lanes for Randall and Barrett. And that really hasn't been the case. And is that because we don't have a stretch five, like is a stretch five, the one ingredient that you need to, to be able to finally unlock their driving potential. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have a great answer, but just like in my gut, no. I just feel like, I just feel like these guys kind of are what they are to an extent. And, and like Randall drives when he wants to pretty much against anybody. You know what I mean? Like we've seen him yeah. finish through people. He's that strong. And it's just like, it's almost more of a mentality thing than a personnel thing. And this That's is so thing. strange. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you think a stretch five would actually move the needle? I do agree with that. And the reason I agree with that is because last season they had Alfred Payton in the starting lineup, in addition to a traditional five. And they took out Alfred Payton and they brought in a guy who say what you want about Kemba Walker. Like he always had to be guarded. Right. And like, if you throw in the fact that they also added, um, they have Derek Rose, not only for a full season, but like Derek Rose has been pretty good from, from three. So it's like you've taken 48 minutes worth of a position and turned it from one thing into another. And has that fundamentally like you, you nailed it. Like it has not the offense. I mean, it's been better in spurts, like when they're hitting their threes, like, yeah, it looks really good. But like in terms of the fundamental use of Julius Randall, we've seen him drive more over the last like three or four games. But like what even that, like what took that so long? Like that's you, you. I think you know that that's a mentality thing. I think that's a choice, but is it, is it on his, is that on him? Is that on Tibbs? Like that, those are the things that I don't have the answer for. Yeah. I mean, in those first three games without Kemba, Randall was, was driving pretty much twice as often as he was when Kemba was the starter. But then, yeah. you know, you go to this Denver game and he, I, I just looked it up. He drove the ball eight times, which is right in line with his season average. So it's like, you know, he, he does sort of pick his spots and um, yeah, it, it's a little, it's a little maddening. It's a little confusing, but uh, and part of it, I think, is probably a frustration with officiating. It does seem to have gotten into these guys' heads Maybe. a little bit. We're seeing more of that that complaining, which you know, it it hurts as far as getting back on defense. Like it's all it is all connected, 
And, uh, you know, when you're complaining about calls and like you're still thinking about the last play, you're not thinking about this play. And it just, it, it really does affect execution. Um, you know, one thing I saw, I think when people point to a lot, a lot of fans on Twitter, when they point to the issues that the Knicks offense has, they will immediately go to too much Randall ISO, too much yeah. Randall ISO. And I, I think that that is a little reductive and, and, and a little lazy. Um, there was plenty of Randall ISO last year, as we all know. Um, I looked into it and Randall is shooting just as many shots at the end of the shot clock this year as he did last year. Same number that hasn't changed. The amount he made last year at the end of the shot clock was way higher as you'd expect because of the difference in their shooting percentages. But, um, you know, one thing I did notice when I was in person that I don't think I would have noticed otherwise was Randall had the ball on the left wing and was kind of doing a little bit of dribbling and he was waiting for someone to cut specifically Evan Fournier was on the opposite wing and was supposed to cut middle. And he kind of just jogged middle and you saw, and I saw Randall just, and his face was irate. And he was just yelling at Fournier, like cut, come on. And Fournier just sort of gave a heart half hearted jog and it got bumped and it completely negated his, his cut entirely. And after the play, and so Randall had to take a step back baseline jumper completely missed. And Randall was just really upset with Fournier. Like, man, you got to like play with some force. Like if you're going to cut, cut. And that was my biggest issue with Fournier in that first half against Brooklyn, which I think is, is also indicative of how he's played in, in you know, many other games was he wasn't playing with any urgency. And I think that sometimes he relies a little bit too much on skill and not on like true physicality, right? When the game gets physical, I think he shrinks a little bit. And so that was just one example where, you know, well, yes, Randall had to take a, a off the dribble long two as the shot clock expired, but it really had to do with poor execution, not playing with like urgency. And, and that was kind of on, on Fournier, if it were, you know, that, that's my opinion. Well, it's, it's one example, but you you're stumbling on something, which again, it's why Julius Randall is just the most interesting player to talk about on this team, because you could make the case that he's like been, <laughs> like it's not his fault at all. And you could, and there are other times where you could be like, you could really point the finger of blame, but he found something last year. And in particular with Reggie Bullock and in particular, the second half of last season when, and I said something about it at the, at the time it was, I forget if it was just before or just after the all-star break where there was, I, I was told like a conversation that happened where Julius was like, look, if you could shoot it, fucking shoot it. And if you look at Reggie Bullock's numbers from like the middle of the season onwards and then before his three point um, attempts per 36 minutes, like skyrocketed and, and then Tibbs like didn't take him off the floor over the second half of the year. Um, like that worked. And like Julius knew he had that. And then once you factor in RJ, the fact that after the first 11 games or whatever the season, he like didn't miss from, from deep. Like it was such a reliable, like, you know, wash, rinse, repeat formula for that team. And everybody defended and like RJ, I mean, he was still growing as a defender, but like he defended Reggie Bullock, the man, did he take a possession off last year? I don't think he did. If he did, I didn't notice it. Like Alfred Payton, say what you want. He was a fucking space cadet. He was frustrated all of us to hell, but like you knew he was going to do the thing, right? Or at least attempt to do the thing. He might not always do it well, but he was going to attempt to do the thing. And I, I wonder to go back to you know kind of what you've said a few times now, the, the, the defense effect in the offense, how much of the fact that they tried to rejigger all that 
and it's not working on offense in the way that it intended is, is it's now seeping into like, when we see those defensive possessions where just like that extra spirit isn't there, it really does seem like it all goes together. Right. And like, I just wonder if we're thinking about this big picture, was this a formula that you could tinker with, or was this something that they were, that was such, you know, I don't know what the phrase is. Lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. Exactly. Like you can't fiddle with that and expect to get like, you know what I mean? I don't think we had any reason to believe back then that it was (laughs) something to not tinker with, you know? And and I think we all did recognize the chemistry between Bullock and Randall as something that was special, but it it also felt potentially repeatable. I mean, you know, and, and I actually still have hope that he and Fournier, that Randall and Fournier can develop that. You know, we've seen flashes of it. Yes. And I, and I just, you know, Fournier is a much more talented offensive player than Bullock was last season. And, and certainly is this has shown this year. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the big thing that we're talking about, and, and this kind of is a little, you know, high minded, but it's like a trust sort of thing where it's just like Randall trusted Bullock it that empowered Randall to make the right pass that, you know, the, that synergy manifested on the defensive end too, right? Like they, they took that energy and brought it on the defensive end. It is all yeah. it, like, it does stem from this kind of like trust, which is a very like cosmic way to talk about it, especially someone like me who like really gets into the tape and the numbers and all that. But it's just, it, I've also played a lot of basketball and it's like, that is how it works. Like you you have to trust your teammates. You have to believe that they're going to make the right play. When, when you make the right play and pass it to them and they're open, are they going to make a shot? Do you think they're going to make a shot when you're shooting it? Do you think the guy passing it to you believes in you? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know, I, I, I did pull up the, some numbers just on, on catch and shoot threes. RJ last year shot 41% Mm -hmm. on four catch and shoot threes a game. This year he's shooting 33% on the same number of attempts. That's a big difference. The other one is, is Randall. Like this is even bigger last year. He shot almost 42% on catch and shoot threes this year, 31% on similar volume. So like these are guys who, when you think of catch and shoot threes, you're like, that's a certain quality as a certain caliber of shot. You know what I mean? Like you're not usually taking catch and shoot threes with a hand right in your face. Um, they're just, I mean, they're straight up missing them. And whether that's because there's a, there's just a lot, there's some kind of malaise or some kind of angst going on with this team. That's hard to put your finger on. Um, and, and it is infecting everything, the transition defense, the half court defense, the lack of communication. We saw guys uh, in the Denver game, you know, multiple people calling out scram switches, but then leaving guys open on the perimeter. Um, it, it just, it's it, it, every little thing you know, you, you can kind of go back to just this, this lack of oneness, right? No, I no. you, you nailed it with trust. And it's funny. Um, it was a play that in, in the Denver game, I, that I, I, interestingly enough, Randall um, went as is his responsibility and helped off the corner after it was uh Compazzo, just absolutely dusted Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel quickly has been great on defense this year, but he got, he got his, he got it handed to him by Composo on this particular drive. And, you know, Randall comes over and as we've seen him do a lot, like plants two feet in the paint, which is basically an invitation to Composo. It's like, Hey, why don't you go past my man in the corner? He's right there. I'm not getting back out to contest him. Um, and then there was Derek Rose 
uh, guarding the nearest shooter to the to the guy in the corner. Mm-hmm. And like Rose had a nice a nice dig on the on the initial drive, and then like the ball swung out, and like Rose looked at it, and like could he have made a con- an effort to like get over there? Like maybe would it have made a difference? Probably not. But like for him to do that it then trusts that whoever is, whether it's quickly or someone down low gets back out to the shooter that Rose was then leaving. And it's like, that to me, it was like a, such a small indication, right. Of like these, like there is not that level of trust. And like, there were, I mean, there were certainly a number of other plays, um, a lot of involving Noel in particular, like Noel seems like all over the place. And that's a guy who I felt like was pretty good on defense last year. And he's just like, I, I, I don't know where he is. Um, I don't know if if you had if if I don't know if you're a betting man if you had to wager on either the offense or the defense rebounding this season which which would you put your your token on Ooh. or would you put your token on either of them? Uh, that's a good question because um, if you'd asked me that last week I would have said definitely the defense like the defense was coming around you know and I was you know there was a lot of faith in Tibbs to to get that right and you know if you're playing the percentages. You'd think the offense would start to come around. These guys aren't going to shoot this poorly. I mean, Randall and RJ aren't going to shoot this poorly um, for the rest of the season. You just don't. You don't think that's going to be a possibility. It's just. Um, I, I'm starting to get a little worried about one of those people you just mentioned. I can't believe uh, RJ. You're, you're worried. It's crazy, about RJ. man. Well, so actually, I don't know if you've already talked about this on a pod yet, or maybe you and Jeremy spoke about it, but you know. Tibbs' most recent comments we, about... We, we discussed it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty alarming, right? Because I, I think that as a fan base, we all um, trust RJ and, and you know we have seen firsthand his work ethic and we've seen you know, the, the benefits it's reaped them as far as, you know, which, Brett, which Tim's has praised in pro, 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 go Google, uh, uh, go look on Twitter, like multiple press conferences, in which Tim's has gone out of his way to praise specifically RJ Barrett's work. ethic. Yeah. So I think for that reason, we were all kind of looking at RJ's most recent struggles and being like, he'll shoot, he'll get out of it. Like no one works that hard and, and continues to struggle for that long, especially someone with that much talent. So I, I think I was taking for granted the fact that he was going to get out of it. And then hearing coach Thibodeau's most recent comments where it's like, he needs to get back in the gym. He needs to shoot more. I, I know that's kind of par- paraphrasing. That was the gist of it. No, it's, it's pretty I, sad. Yeah. Um, that, I don't know. That was jarring. It was alarming. It is like, what, what else is RJ doing? He's not doing commercials. Like what's, I don't know. Like, what, what's he doing? I, I don't understand. Like, um, that's I, 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 what was your take on? I'm curious. Like, is, oh, what, I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I'll just say, I don't, I don't think it was by accident that he said that. And that was a, I think it was a shot across the bow. Um, and, um, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I struggle with RJ because I have, uh, as you may know, caught a lot of shit from this fan base over the last couple of years when I have had the audacity to point out that let's, let's, let's pump the, pump the brakes. Let's let's, you know, I, I think he's going to be a very good player, but you know, before we start with the, uh, with the, with the talk of like five and six all-star appearances, let's just get one step at a time. And um, so I'm very hesitant to be critical of RJ. <laughs> um, but at the same time, 
he, I think, got a lot of flowers last year. And I think he got a lot of flowers to start the season. You know, I mean, that five game stretch where he looked like finally a real legitimate future all star. Um, and this is a player that we know thinks that he is going to be a great player. I, I don't know. I don't have a great answer. I, um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I mean, listen, players that are, that have turned out to have fantastic careers have needed wake up calls early on for one thing or another. And maybe this is his, I guess I just, I was, I don't want to make this too, like, not based in like the film and whatnot, but like, I don't know if you heard RJ's comments after the game and he was, you know, for him to, after Tibbs got and said, and I don't, I wasn't obviously at the game. I couldn't ask myself, not that I, I don't know if I would have had the balls to ask this, but like nobody asked him about <laughs> Tibbs's comments. Um, so, but he was asked about his slump and he was just like, yeah, I've been in slumps before. I'll be, you know, I'll get out of this one. And I, I guess for, and Oh, he also had one other thing where he was like, it feels like there's just four minutes of every game where we're right there. And I'm like, man, if you've watched this season, like we have, and you think that th this team is like four minutes away, every game from being a good team, like then we're not, we're not, we're not watching the same, the same thing because yeah. there are some fundamental issues here. I do. Yeah. I wonder kind of how truthful, I mean, he's so careful with media. It seems like, like he's, he's a pro. He's oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I wonder kind of how, how open he would be about, the actual issues that are plaguing the team. Maybe that's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it, it hasn't just been his three point shooting either. I mean, that was the area that he really stepped up last year. And I think that showed a lot of potential for what he could, you know, if he puts his mind to it and grows in that area, he can do it in other areas too. Right. That was sort of the thought process of the fan base. Um, I mean, look, he's struggled from everywhere. He's been the worst shoot player from floater range in the entire league, like on volume, he, he can't hit a floater. Did you see the numbers like over the, oh, I'm sure you have seen the numbers, but like since the first like head full of games, it's he's, is he like under 20% from floater range? Ghastly. Yeah. Under 20%. Yeah. Um, it, it's like, and that's an area that he needs to be above average at because, you know, he, he doesn't have sort of the elite, um, I don't know, kind of like, I just call it like a basketball imagination. Like he doesn't like have all the moves to get to the, but, but, but no, but it's no, but you, you're dancing around it. That the, when you talk about the reason why he gets a lot less off of these lists is when you watch him drive and you watch him finish, he doesn't look like, you know, pick your young star in, in the way that he finishes these, these drives. It's, it's more laboring and look, he's a big body. I, it, it could work for him doing it that way, but it just, it looks different, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, it just, it appears to be kind of like a lack of maybe creativity or something. Um, I use imagination, but yeah, it's, I think he's physically capable of, of, being, I mean, he's huge. He's coordinated. He's skilled. Like he should be able to finish these shots. So draw some fucking fouls. He hasn't been shooting the ball well from the free throw line either, no, which is, which is worrisome. Like it's, it, that, that would indicate that it's a mental thing, right? That there's some sort of mental block. He's not hitting his threes, not hitting his free throws either. Last year, he was actually significantly better from the free throw line. So I mean, I know, you man. Jim. Yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, I know we've been like fairly, <laughs> fairly negative on this podcast. I just think that's kind of the, that's what happens when you're coming off a loss like the Denver one. Um, things can turn around so quickly because, I mean, after that Hawks game, I remember like be, being like very enthused by, by how the team was I, playing. So like, so that was, I, no, you go. Like, <laughs> no, but you're okay. You're right. We shouldn't be so negative and like. That's my fault. Uh, I directed I directed us down this road. Well, you know why we've been You've negative? You've the though? witness. You've led the witness. <laughs> I blame Andrew. Um, I, <laughs> Andrew, you want to chime in? Just mind my own business over here. What did I do? I always blame you. Um, no, I, let, so let's finish on a high note. Um, we, haven't to, we haven't mentioned the names. Um, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Obi Toppin. You want throw Quentin Grimes um, to say nothing of like Alec Burks and Derek Rose. Like those guys have been fucking awesome this year. Um, You know, that you could quibble about anyone in that Denver game, but like by and large um, you could, you could make an argument that Alec Burks and Derek Rose have been two of the 10, 15 best bench guards in the league this year. I mean, they've, they've been that good. Um, And to say nothing of quickly and Obi, um, so let's end on a high note. Like I, I, again, you watch a ton of film. You're, you're so in, in tune with this team. Um, what, give me something you've liked about either of those guys, about both of those guys together. Like what, anything. I mean, that's like, a, that's a layup, you know, like there's just so <laughs> I'm much. Giving you a layup here. <laughs> there's just so much there to, to like. And I think the biggest thing or the thing that brings the biggest smile to my face is just the chemistry between the two. And, you know, you hear them talk about it um, in post games where they say, like, you know, when we're checking in together, there's kind of like a little nod to each other. It's like we're about to change the complexion of this game. Like this game will not be the same after we step foot on this court. And that's a great mentality. I love to see it. It is it, it, it translates to their it's not just an attitude like they back it up with their play. I I love them running pick and roll. You know, whenever Mm. you see IQ, you know come off the screen, snake it back, get the defender on his back and just like lob it up to Obi. It's, it's brilliant. It is. It's kind of like a, a panacea for all the ills that, that plague this team. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's the most fun thing to watch. It's, it's quickly with pull up threes, quickly hitting Obi on all the oops. That's the best parts of that. Those have been the best parts of this season. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we do um, really romanticize last year and we kind of think of it all as quickly go ahead threes. And it really wasn't. But um, I, I hope that when I look back on this year, I, I do remember it for, for some of those good things. I, it's yeah, funny. Only, just... I'm, I'm talking like the season's over. We're a quarter. Of the no, 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 no. Look, we're not. Yeah, but again, we've been watching this team for a long time, and you, sometimes you just get a. It's not a great feeling right now. I hope we're both wrong, and I hope we look back on this as like, hey, remember when we had that doom and gloom podcast at eleven and twelve, and then they won, uh, you know, three games on the road trip. Um, quickly had a moment. Um, 
in the Denver game. It's funny. I was talking to Jeremy for the for the last pod about how we couldn't remember anything good that happened in the game. He had a moment where he got uh, Zeke Naji, I think it was Zeke Naji, matched up with him one on one, and he he got past him pretty 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 quickly. Uh, no pun intended, uh, and and converted. And he that's been the thing that I've been watching is like when he when he gets bigs matched up on him, like he couldn't do it against Aldridge in the Brooklyn game. Did it once in the Denver game. He's done it, you know, at times this year. Where, like, can he have? Can he figure out whether it's the handle or the burst or whatever to like be that guard that anytime you put him in a pick and roll, it's like, okay, this is a problem. And it's not necessarily just because he's going to pull up from three. It's because he could get to his spot. And if it if it has to be from floater range, it has to be from floater range. But I mean, he's been hitting that shot, you know, this year pretty well. Um, I'm excited about them too. I, I um. I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see how this how this year goes because I think there is a world, sadly, where we could be taught where we could be looking at a very different Knicks team in terms of who's getting like, you know, because they're again, they're this is a this is a very big middle class in the NBA, right? And it's not hard to fall out of it. Um, and get down towards the bottom and kind of change the complexion of your season. And I know I don't want to end on doom and gloom and like, we're not there yet. They're a game below 500, but it's not like there aren't young players on this team to be really excited about, like, you know, either way. So I mean, look, we're, we're at a crossroads right now. Like this season can really go in any different direction. And it, it's like, it's fun to talk about because of all the potential possibilities, but it's also a little scary. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's, I will say, like, so what are we, four games into the post-Kemba life? Is that where we are? That is, yeah, four is games. Three? Yeah. No, the, the Atlanta game, and then he got benched, and then there's been three games since then. I was right. not including Atlanta because he technically wasn't benched. That was a day of rest. But if you want to include that, yes, we're four games in. I, yeah, I think we'll – I think for the sake of – Arguments say I think that that can count just because he wasn't in there. So I think four games kind of post Kemba, um, Kemba not in the rotation. Um, you know, we're, we're one in three in those games. I, I think we're going to need a larger sample to kind of really definitively say kind of how, how this new starting lineup works. Um, I think a lot of fans were kind of calling for quickly to replace Kemba in that spot and that, and that Burke's doing so. Look, Burks gives them a lot of size. You would hope that their defense will improve. I'd love to see them switch a lot. I think that's starting to happen. Um, but the problem is that 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 unit doesn't have a like a tried and true ball handler who's going to penetrate the defense. And like when when defenders get up on Alec Burks, yep. get into his jersey, he has a hard time getting past them. And like if we're not getting uh, you know switches and and you know big switched on him that that offensive unit is going to have a hard time creating offense for others. I know I'm getting back into the weeds as we try and wrap, but like, no, but, but, but I, I it's, you know, just seeing how this experiment this post, I, I mean, want to call it an experiment because it seems like Kemba's out period, right? Like Kemba's not. Oh no, out. he's listen, you better chance of seeing you in a Knicks Jersey <laughs> on, on a court than, than Kemba Walker. No, but you, it's, it's interesting that you say that because like it, it leads you to like, well, See, to me, it was, I, I, I never thought quickly he was going to get that spot. To me, it was either Rose or Burks. And I wasn't surprised at the ver- at all that it was Burks for the reasons that you just spoke about. But the notion of putting Rose in there, but then where does that leave the bench unit? And like, as we know, just because you don't start for Tibbs doesn't mean you're not going to play 30 minutes a game. And I think he likes having 
Rose be able to come off the bench and like close games if needed. And like, and you know, I think there's some validity to that, but yeah, I don't, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, The biggest storyline of the season so far has been Kemba's benching. And, um, you know, so far, if you're just looking at results focus, like it has not worked out four games in, um, it's just, we got to keep, we got to keep watching to see how it's going to unfold because it's like, it, it, it can really go either way. Right. There's no guarantee that, and, and Thibs even said in his last press conference, we could switch it up again. Like he's yeah. open to that too. So, I mean, that's just, that's the storyline of the season right now. And, and it, it, as a result, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, I always love talking basketball with you, even though it, it gets me, I was, I was in a, I was in a good mood and I think, uh, I, I don't know. I think you maybe your, your dose of realism. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Not, I'm not thrilled though. I blame you, Tom. Look, have me on again. Have me on again when things are going a little bit better. Okay. You had me on the first time, like the Knicks are below 500 since you know, all season. So let's, can I come back? The last time I, had you. I can be a positive person. So um, you're an incredibly positive person. That's why I have your notifications because you're always, you, cause you are positive. Yeah. Um, man, uh, Tom Piccolo. Tell the folks at home where they can find you. Proud of you. Proud of you. Yeah. You could uh, follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. You can listen to me on uh talking Knicks presented by John boy media. We got a podcast. You can follow us on Twitter as well. So yeah, you can, you can find me out there. Okay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tom Piccolo. We always have a good time talking basketball. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, as a friendly reminder, if you do enjoy the program, feel free to go ahead and uh, rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe to it if you're not already subscribed. And if you uh, want to leave a nice review, those are welcome as well. Um, I think that is it. Again, reminder, we will be back with you for a uh, post-game live stream after the Spurs game. And of course, after every game moving forward, because we always do the post-game live streams. And for almost every game, uh, including the Spurs game tonight, we will be doing uh, a pregame show uh, hosted by Andrew Claudio, uh, co-starring yours truly, in which we talk about our selections for prize picks. Yes, our friends at prize picks on the night where you can... um, Go ahead and um, pick some over unders and put some player props together and and win some win some dough. So check that out. Check out all the stuff we got coming out. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.